Chapter 28 In a Stilled Moment The ladder creaked, a high-pitched squeal that Kyla didn't understand at first. She had fallen asleep, but the sound had yanked her up by her collar. The next sound was the groan of the attic hatch. She didn't know how long she'd slept, but her muddled mind and body were not at all refreshed. Her clothes were still damp. The floorboards groaned under a heavy weight. Next came a susurrus of fabric rubbing. Behind that was the presence of a man standing in silence, listening. Kyla felt him, envisioned him from the weight of his being, a heavy man with corded arms and barreled chest. He was in the attic with her. He was trying to be very still, trying to listen, listening for her presence. The don'ts master? No, he would not feel so heavy. The Mercus vision was upon her. It had brought with it this heightening of her senses. In the absolute stillness of the darkness, her hearing and smell, even the feel of the floor beneath her were carrying subtle hints of the man. It was the instinctive awareness of danger that every mouse or deer or lone woman in an alley knew in the gut. It was the feeling of prey in the presence of death. The floor creaked. She imagined him shifting his weight from one foot to the other. A whisper, someone in the room below asking what the man saw. He didn't respond. Through the fabric of her blanket came a blooming light. Someone had handed up a lantern. A footstep, a creak, the rustle of fabric, the jangle of metal buckles, the scuff of boot on dusty wood. Anything? The whisper was loud, raspy. Her breath shook on the exhale. Another step. The light wavered as the man held up his lantern. Even through the knit wool, she saw the rafter shadows stretch and move. A boot settled next to her head. The toe planted, twisted a bit as he took another step. She heard the dust grind under the sole. His breath whistled softly in his nose. He was tentative. He'd been told to search the attic. The don'ts master was desperate to find her. Someone had been stabbed. They were told to look everywhere. Had she left a trail? She had been very wet. Surely those drips had dried by now. She'd closed the door behind her. She hadn't left the attic hatch open. No one would notice the blanket she'd taken, not when they were all up and searching for her. No, this was simply a search. He was being thorough. The dogs had trailed off after Ollie. The don'ts master had lost her when she'd let go of the Mercus vision in the cistern. She needed to remain still but he would notice her blanket. What would he see? It was a clean, tan wool blanket, summer wool. She was curled up under it, but it was wrapped tightly around her and under her. It would look like a person was in it, not simply a wadded-up bunch of fabric. He would see her. He had stepped right next to her. He took two more steps, paused. Her clothes. He was looking at where she'd hung her clothes. Would there be a puddle there still? or maybe spots where the dust had been wiped clean by her feet. She should never have taken them off. She shouldn't have stayed in the barracks. Bring her down, came a familiar voice. She's up there right now. Skill. A weight crushed her, arms like iron bands scooped under her. She came off the floor, netted in her own blanket. She screamed and struggled, but she was held fast in a curled-up ball. I have her, the man shouted. His voice was deep and loud. He clomped with heavy steps, stopped. If I let her go, she's going to fight. Hold a moment, 
panic seized her. She squirmed and screamed, but her captor's arms might as well have been shackles. And then her struggles ceased as an indomitable power took hold of her limbs and stilled them. The panic remained, with no outlet save the galloping of her heart. Not even her voice could release a portion of her terror. Nax! The man released her and she fell through the hatch, stomach lifting. No ability to scream or twist or move her limbs to break her fall, but the impact she expected never came. Someone caught her. The fall had unfolded the blanket. Air touched her bare skin. Put her there. She was dropped onto the bed. The blanket tore away. She could do nothing. She was facing the wall. The men were behind her. A shadow stretched over her. A face loomed at the very furthest extent of her vision. She saw a hint of white beard. Kyla's sigh, you have impressed me greatly. She isn't much, said the man who had caught her. The latter was straining under the weight of the man coming down from the attic. Nax, I'm here. Where are you? In the barracks. The Donesmaster has me. I can't move. I can't move. I have to. The cat sent a bundle of emotion and sensation over the bond. Kyla's panic retreated under the sensation of warmth and satiety. We are trying to get to you, but there are too many men and hounds. She doesn't look worth the effort, said one of the armsmen, as if he wanted the Donesmaster to explain why they'd been troubled so greatly to find her. Skinny as an atlan, Shank. What harm could she do to anyone? Great harm if she were to come into her power. One does not judge the Mercusine by the bones of the Merculin. Fight it, Nax sent. How? He's using the Mercus. Fight! A jingle of purse being dumped out. Here's my five gold as promised, Skill said. Thank you. I should fetch Radiant Hyali. He ought to decide what to do with her, seeing as she's on his land. As an awakening Merculin, she is the concern of the way of Till. Radiant Hyali will surely understand that. Bring her to my carriage. His hand brushed lightly over her cheek. They did not cover her when they carried her out of the barracks. The night air bit with icy teeth, raising goose flesh all over her body. She caught a glimpse of the Donesmaster. He looked haggard in the glare of his own Mercus light. The other men had wandered back toward the barracks, having caught word that she'd been captured. A few servants came out to the kitchen garden to see her. They stared at her and invoked Till's name. One woman called her a harlot. The carriage was built to carry four men, two on one bench, two on the rear-facing bench. Kyla was hoisted onto the ladder. The carriage rocked and bounced as the Donesmaster climbed aboard. I'm in his carriage. Help me. I know. You must fight it. Nax felt very close. Kyla thought she must be within arm's reach, but that was impossible. The Atlan team squawked under the driver's whip. The carriage began to roll. I'm curious, Sai. Where did you stash Petoro's blade? He sat across from her, wand in one hand. There was a wooden box at his feet, the type of crate one might store potatoes in. There was a small brass object inside, glowing in her murkus vision. Kyla found her lips and tongue had been loosened from the spell. What blade? Dunskill chuckled. Fight! Nax commanded. Where are Fallow and Henley? The Don'ts Master is alone. They could overpower him. He's old and weak. There are too many armsmen around the carriage. Kyla had forgotten that Dunskill had come with his own contingent of armsmen. They must have been waiting outside the gate all this time. 
which meant they were flanking the carriage on horseback even now. She listened for the clomp of hooves and heard them clearly. Her senses brought her their odor, too. And a cat's. Are you in this carriage? Beneath it. Now fight! With the sending came another flood of emotion and sensation. It contained none of the comforting sensations from before. This was a feeling of warm and limber legs, of tense shoulders, of a readiness to jump and sprint. Her fingers were already clawed from holding the blanket tightly around her. The blanket was gone, but her fingers were frozen just as they had been. But now a tingle went through them. She felt an extension of fibers in her fingers, as if she were spreading out claws. The disconcerting awareness of a flicking tail made her vision swim. But that odd phantom tail flick awakened a smoldering ferocity. She had done nothing to deserve this treatment. She may be a thief, but she was a person. To be stilled like this, to be hauled out helpless before all those men, to be plopped on this bench like an aged ham, and then to be mocked by this man. Intolerable. Yes, fight! In every cheapskate alley and in every encounter with a mark, Kyla had faced the brutality of such men, of clenched fists and grappling in the dark. She knew what it was to strain against muscle and bone. She knew the thoughtless and desperate struggle of one animal against another. Sometimes it was to overpower and rob. Sometimes it was to break a hold and flee. Survival came down to pure animal ruthlessness. There was nothing evil in it, nothing personal about it. Cats didn't hate the mice they killed. And what of the ferocity of mice? Kyla had been the mouse more often than she wanted to admit. The feeling of claws extending grew. While no mouse had ever become a hound, a girl could sometimes become too much of an armful, too much of a wild, clawing, and biting thing to be handled. She could see her hands, they were in front of her. No claws sprouted from her fingertips, but her fingers moved, and strength pulsed through bone and tendon. You still hold the mercus, Dunskill said. Don't you feel it? I cannot understand how you gather so much yet fail to manifest anything with it. He leaned forward, cupping his bearded chin in one hand. He tapped her nose with his little wand, You'll kill yourself doing that. The mind isn't meant to hold so much. It has to be released. The notion seemed to worry him. He pursed his lips and tilted his head, as if studying a bug he'd never seen before. The Hargath would relieve you of that excess. Make no mistake. What else he might do with you? One can only imagine. He smiled, but it didn't reach his eyes. He abruptly straightened as if struck by an idea. He scrounged in a satchel on the seat next to him. Kyla's toes moved. Her fingers were entirely free. While he was looking in his satchel, she strained to flex her shoulders. She resumed her pose of immobility just as he looked up. He withdrew Petoro's dagger from his satchel. I must say, dumping it in the cistern was clever. But it is very shiny and the water very clear. He held the blade awkwardly, like a man who considered weaponry beneath him. I'm sure Dun Poston will be coming to Appel's Inn to collect it. He'd better bring a fat purse. The man held his pale wand in one hand and the dagger in the other. His murkous light was bright in the small carriage. It gleamed against the gold. 
but the inherent mercasine glow from the blade outshone even that. Kill take you, she muttered through stiff lips. He'd had the blade all along. He'd been toying with her. Nax pulsed a frenzy of feeling through the bond. It fed her anger. She tasted blood and grew ravenous with predatory hunger. The wand's hold on her stretched, thinned, strained. Skill brought the tip of the dagger down and pressed it lightly on her throat. I've never experienced anyone fight the will shift so ably. I don't sense any feet of Mercus in you, so it is your will alone. I've read that powerful Merculans can overcome will shift. Pray you can muster as much should the Hargath penetrate your mind. He lifted the wand, focused on it. Kyla's skin thrilled as a haze of prickliness enveloped the man. She gasped, realizing she was feeling his Mercus power building. He withdrew the dagger from her throat and shook the wand at her. The constraints tightened around her shoulders, her wrists. Nax no longer spoke into her mind, but simply jolted ferocity into Kyla's body. She felt squeezed between warring energies. The glow of the dagger wavered in front of her. She locked her attention onto it as she clamped her jaw and battled the unsealable force that sought to reclaim hold of her limbs. I tire of this, he said. He wedged the lid from the box with the dagger, then set the dagger aside. He reached into the box and pulled Ollie out by the scruff. The cat was limp, pink tongue peeping from his mouth. Next, he has Ollie. I know, you must fight. Is he dead? No, but he will be if you don't fight. Skill lay Ollie across his lap and took the dagger back up. He adjusted his grip and brought the tip of the dagger to Ollie's flank. Ah, I see in your eyes that you value this creature's life. But I wonder why a girl like you would have a cat for a pet. Surely you would wish to collect the bounty. The gold dagger sang, not in her hearing, but in her mind. It was infused with its own power, the demonic charms Fallow had told of. Kyla knew nothing of such things, but she saw more than mere metal in it now. Fallow had called it a hard blade, and so it was. A minute latticework of light suffused the metal, and it was this that sprang into her Mercus vision. She thought she could almost smell it, burnt hair, smoke. But there was more than sensory notes in its song. There was emotion, too, determination, ruthlessness, and a quality she could only label as speed. It didn't matter what such things were called. In her Mercus vision, all things were sensation of one sort or another, even emotion, especially emotion. She discovered in herself echoes of the blade's demonic magic. She didn't know how to form it, let alone release it, but she grasped for it nonetheless. In a stilled moment, in the span between heartbeats, a shudder waved through her, from groin to heart to mind. She wrenched back control of her own body. Dunskill recoiled, mouth dropping open. The rod flipped from his fingers as if it had stung him. He hissed and shook his hand. Kyla unfolded, ignoring the cold in her limbs, ignoring the stiffness of her joints. Her focus remained entirely on the blade. Skill flicked it at her with an effeminate swing of his wrist, a man of no training. Were he not a master, he would have been an easy mark to rob on a middle-night street. 
She grabbed his wrist as she lunged. She jammed her forearm into his throat and pushed hard. He squawked and gibbered. Nax's endless feed of ferocity charged through her. She snarled like a beast, bent to sink her teeth into his neck. She stopped herself at the last instant and recoiled. Stop it, she sent to Nax. I'm free. Her mind cleared. Skill was beating her back and shoulder with one fist and scrabbling to stab her with the other. Ollie slipped from his lap and back into the box. Kyla put more weight onto his throat. She wrested the blade free of his grip, reversed it, and shoved. His shoulders went rigid, eyes bulged. A tight sigh hissed from his gaping mouth. His eyes met hers, pained, but no longer full of panic. Kyla panted, conscious of sweat dripping down her back. The inside of the carriage was too loud with her breathing. The Atlan still pulled the conveyance down slope. Horses clopped all around. Kyla jumped off the man and retreated to the other bench. The hard blade shone dully in her hand. Blood dripped from it. A spreading stain marred the Donesmaster's robes. He looked dumbly down at it, hands crimson. I, I think I killed him, she sent. Good. Be ready. For, for what? Fallow and Henley will stop the carriage. We must run. Where are you? She tipped over the seat to peer underneath. Nax wasn't there. I'm under, on a thing. Kyla's vision blurred, and then she was seeing the road pass beneath her. Nax was riding under the carriage, balanced on a strut or cross brace. Stop, you're going to make me heave. Her own vision returned. Where are the boys going to stop us? A pause. Lop says just before the Trialti Arch. Kyla parted the window curtain and looked out. The baths of Ori were blurring by. The arch was close, just around this bend and down. Skill tilted over onto one shoulder. His eyes were open. Breath still came. Kyla clenched her teeth, the predatory rage now caged inside her. She scrounged through the don'ts master's robes, found his purse. His satchel held nothing save some papers and a partial loaf of bread. She put the dagger in the satchel and rolled it up. A shout from the driver. The Atlans shrieked. Men barked orders to clear the road. The brake lever squealed against the iron bands of the carriage wheels. Kyla was jolted back in her seat as the carriage slowed. Dunskill tumbled forward onto her. She kicked him off, shivering at the touch of his body against hers. Go, Nax sent. Kyla grabbed Ollie and burst from the carriage. She barely registered the obstacle Fallow and Henley had put in the road, an overturned haywain. Then she was through the arch. Nax loped next to her and, without losing stride, jumped aboard and clawed up to Kyla's shoulder. Men shouted and horse hooves dug into the street behind her, their metal shoes clacking like hammer blows. Kyla sprinted, head down through Dunmeadow Plaza. The Harridan gate echoed with her gasps and footsteps. A sharp turn into the alley, then up to the roofway. She fell flat onto the top of the Mighton Theater and hugged Nax close. The satchel fell away, and Ollie's body slid into a puddle. His body jerked and his head snapped up. He let out a yowl. He's hurt. No, Nax sent. He's angry. What did that don'ts master do to him? I don't know, but he's angry at you. Me? What did I do? The answer did not come for a long moment, so long that Kyla thought Nax had forgotten the question. Ollie says he almost got eaten by dogs because of you. 
He says you are stupid, selfish, foolish, and smelly. At the moment, Kyla didn't think she could fault Ollie's judgment, even though she'd just saved his miserable hide. But what did the don'ts master do to him? I thought he was dead. Nax didn't seem to have the words to answer. Finally, she said, He was limp on purpose, playing dead. He wants you to take the bell off him. She pursed her lips and considered making Ollie keep it, but they needed to be quiet until the street cleared. She cut the ribbon and carefully set the bell aside. Ollie stomped away and sat down to give himself a good licking. Thank you, Naxie, she sent, letting the little gray's ears filter through her fingers. You saved me. The boys soon joined her. Lop and Huff nosed at Ollie, then came to greet her and Nax. They all huddled together as the shouts continued down below. Murder! Murder! Men charged up and down the street. It was dawn before they gave up their hunt. By the time Kyla and the boys returned to the Atlin barn, it was full daylight. Wen was asleep. Ollie took pains not to wake him as he snuggled close. Kyla set the satchel onto the floor. The dagger inside clanked softly. That better not be what I think it is, Fallows said, eyebrow dipping over his nose. It is. We need to take it back to the Hiley estate as soon as night falls, she said. There's a cistern behind the house. Good hiding spot for it until your father decides to pay. Then she flopped onto her bed of rags, gathered necks in her arms, and fell asleep. She didn't even hear Fallows' curses, much less see him take the satchel and leave the barn. Nor did she see Henley watching her, knit cap in his hands. Had she, she would have marked his tender brow, his worried lips, and his immense relief.